0: that's understood explains wherever you get your podcasts Welcome to the Edit Your Life Podcast. I'm Christine Coe and I'm Asha Dornfest and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, Edit Your Life friends, Uh, Christine here, and I am so delighted and honored to have the wonderful Amber Coleman-Mortley on. Hi, Amber.
1: Hi. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I love you. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love you, too.
0: So let's just as a little bit of backstory. uh, Well, you're a queen. Let's just tell everyone that. But um, the last time you were on the show was in March 2019, which in pandemic time, seems like about 11 years ago.
1: Oh my God. It doesn't it though? It's like, <laughs> what was I even doing
0: then? You know? What were what were we doing? Uh, we were not making bread. That's what we were not doing. But Yo. I will link that episode in the show notes. But our conversation, it was episode 156, how to talk to kids about race. It blew my mind. I mean, you've heard me make this joke multiple times, but you literally made the hardest things so much easier to talk about. Like, as in- as easy as talking about sandwiches, like that was an actual example. So and that conversation, I think, had come to pass because there was some horrendousness going on. And then actually, I don't know how aware you are that this happened. But last year in June 2020, there was more conflict and racial horrendousness. Mm -hmm. And that episode actually ended up getting massively reshared. And you helped so many people. So first, I just want to start off by thanking you for that.
1: Well, thank you all for just bringing me on and allowing me to engage with your audience that, that I mean, that was super cool. So I appreciate you guys. And I'm just so glad that, you know, it could help because we all could use some assistance.
0: We sure could. It's it's ongoing work for all of us. Right. So, you know, obviously, we've had lots more racial conflict and horrendousness mm-hmm. <laughs> in the meanwhile, and i'm really glad you know you and i were just messaging and then all of a sudden we're like okay let's set this up um and it really occurred to me as i was thinking about this conversation that our earlier episode was really oriented towards parents kind of helping to equip them to be a steady guiding force for kids which is great however you know as we just said the reality is we adults also have a ton of work to do on this front and i have seen more than ever in my conversations with people that that's really, really hard work. So Mm -hmm. we're going to dig into that today, but we're going to do it in a like
1: very loving you can do this way. Right. Yes. Because that's how I roll y'all hugs and truth, (laughs) hugs and truth. Oh my gosh. Put that on a shirt. Oh wow. I love that (laughs) girl. Let's make this happen. (laughs) Let's
0: make, we're making all the things happen. All right. So are you ready to dive in? I just want to like go. I'm so excited to learn from you (laughs) selfishly. Um, let's dig in to a term that makes people squirm, Mm -hmm. privilege. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I will, I'm sure you get this too, but whenever I talk about privilege, um, usually online, (laughs) I invariably have people get very upset with me and they say, I'm not privileged, I work hard. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that's like one of the first responses you get because it really, it, it always crops up. So I would love to hear how you advise people to talk about privilege in a way where, there can actually be a conversation versus defensiveness.
1: Yeah. So, you know, talking about privilege is super tough because it's a complex idea, right? Just in general, right? Um, It's an idea that makes us feel terrible. It makes us feel bad, right? Um, It makes us feel like we are taking advantage of other people, We are decentralizing the humanity of others when we're like, I have privilege, right? Um, No one wants to, I I would say 99.9% of humanity does not really in their heart want to make other people feel bad. I think circumstances probably push them to do so. But like, in general, we are like, "Eh, maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to move these conversations about privilege away from individual acts toward experiences and toward systems. Um, but again, sadly, you know, people can only center their own experiences and their own in their own narratives. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is to begin to think about privilege um, and moving away from like my own experience in relation to the world. Right. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about privilege as a participatory experience with a lot of people. You know, so when we think about systems, we think about the rules of the game. We think about the ways that people live and work and vote together uh, or vote around each other or live and work and vote even against each other. Right. We want to think about what are the balances and imbalances that are at play um, that push people toward having some advantages over others. Okay, Mm -hmm. so like again, like this is mentally a bit challenging because we are living in the systems that we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. So I I really want people to think about that, right? Like I'm asking you to challenge reality in a way. So when we think about privilege, you know, how is society structured for people that look like me, that worship like me, um, that have the, the political leaning that I do and how are the other people who don't have these same beliefs and experiences how are they experiencing the same things that I am, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, it does not negate the fact that I've worked hard my whole life, right, to get where I am. But there are other people who are working just as hard and they're not getting to where you are, right? Right. So what are the forces at play, you know, that might prevent them from getting to where you are right now?
0: Okay, so this is very very helpful. So do do you think... I'm going to interpret something that you Mm -hmm. just said, and you can tell me if I'm on target. But so I feel like one of the challenges with the word privilege is that and the reason people get so squirmy is because it conjures up like silver spoons and Mm -hmm. um, country clubs and all these other things, which whatever, you know, fine. But uh, what I'm hearing is that part of this process is mostly thinking just about. I mean, I guess not thinking of privilege necessarily in a negative way, but just as the reality at hand, the mm-hmm. system at hand is that mm-hmm. is am I
1: on target there? You are so on target target right now. I mean, I think you know we don't want to think that the rules of the game are rigged, right? You know what I'm saying' mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we want to believe that everyone's stepping up to the the line to run this race called life, right. And that everybody is on two legs and they've lifted their weights and they're all strong and they're ready to go. But, Mm. you know, there are some people that are in a wheelchair and they're rolling up to the line. Mm -hmm. Right. There Mm -hmm. are some people that, you know, it can't don't have access to a gym, so they can't go lift weights. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we think about it in that way, you know, we begin to see, like, what are the different what's the nuance to this world and the nuance to other people's experiences that. You know, yeah, my coworker might be sitting next to me in the cubicle, but you know, they might have had a really tough go at getting to that cubicle next yeah. to me. Right. Yeah. And like we really have to decentralize what we think. Mm. The other thing I'll say when we lean into discussions about privilege, we gotta think about power, right? Like mm-hmm. and we really have to like as a society talk about, you know, power. There for real is a power privilege checklist. So I'm going to say that again, a power privilege checklist. <laughs> and that is, you know, on that checklist, in many ways, it's male, white, Christian, cisborn, um, straight and able bodied. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the closer that you align to that power privilege checklist, um, you often receive affordances because you're, you're closely aligned to that checklist. Right. Um, and so when we think about that power, I'll give an example. Um, Up until the 2020 election, what was a vice president? I'm asking you, Christine.
0: Oh, just like what they looked like in my mind? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, white, male. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
1: So like in in our mind as a society, the role of the second most powerful person in the country was a guy and he was white. Yeah. Right. And that and there was no no one questioned that. No one challenged that. Everyone thought, yeah, that's normal. That's how it should be, right? And then, you know, her awesomeness, Kamala Harris comes along. Queen. And to- the queen, <laughs> the baddie, <laughs> the baddie of the 21st century, all hail, right? Like, she comes along and she appends that narrative of what power looks like in a vice presidency, mm-hmm. right? And yes, we see powerful women leading nations in other countries, but- You know, for all intents and purposes in the United States, that is something that is not um, we don't we can't wrap our mind around. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to say, what are the rules at play? It doesn't mean that only white dudes um, can run the vice presidency or be in charge there. Right. Um, Why haven't we had, you know, black, Asian, you know, indigenous, Hispanic, men, women and non-binary people in those roles? Up until now, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is a question about privilege that we should always um, be pushing against.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I we're going to talk more about power and also empathy, actually, which I Mm -hmm. think is how this is all interconnected and, you know, is a central thread that I think just everybody needs to learn more about or just be more aware of. But I just feel like, you know, if I just put an empathic lens on this, you know, part of how we are is just we're used to certain things being a certain way and you know we're all like ultimately probably curmudgeonly people that need to be pushed like to realize there are other ways to do things so so real (laughs) all right well this is fascinating and i'm really excited we're going to talk more and we will do that after a quick break people often talk about the impact of things like stress hormone fluctuations and nutrition on skin But did you know those things impact your hair, too? If you've been dealing with hair thinning, you are not alone, and Nutrafol is here to help. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I appreciate that they offer formulas tailored to different life stages, such as postpartum and menopause, as well as different lifestyles, such as plant-based diets. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol Women's Hair Growth Supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrifol is offering Edit Your Life listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code EDIT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and use promo code EDIT. That's Nutrafol.com using promo code EDIT. As you know, I am all about micro improvements, and if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited-time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com slash edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello, friends. We are back. I am here with the incredible Amber Coleman Mortley, who... I could talk to you seriously all day long. Someday in this life, we will make it happen. <laughs> yes, yes we will. Um, So before the break, you were talking about the power checklist, which, by the way, I am now thinking I need to make into a cute little Instagram tile for everyone's reference. Let's yes. just put it out there so it happens. I will now remember to do it. Um, and I want to just dig a little further, okay? Because we were talking about the squirminess of the term privilege before the break. But then, like, there's also you know, add to it the word white, white privilege. Mm -hmm. And I think that the squirminess gets even more intense. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about approaching and understanding whiteness.
1: Yeah. So the first statement I want to make, and I hope that this is the soundbite of the century, right, is that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, I just want to start off there. Like, I want to say that there is nothing wrong with being white, Right, yeah, you know, like I really like I really want white people to know, and I also want people of color to also know like there's nothing wrong with being white. The challenge here is understanding how whiteness is aligned with power, especially in this country and and throughout the entirety of the modern world, right and you know, in our minds, we're thinking the history of the world, that's only like a 300 year story in many of our minds, like Mm. the capability of understanding, like the history of the world is 300 years. Right. Um. So when we think about that, right, when we think about power and we think about what power affords individuals, right, we build our systems around, you know, whoever's the victor gets to write the tales of history. Mm -hmm. So think about like, You know, world history, for example. My daughters are taking a world history course. It's European history. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Uh it only goes up to the Crusades, and then that's it. And Uh they don't even talk about the Crusades in depth, like what actually went on, right? Lots of, uh, you know, civilization in the Middle East and in Africa Uh was erased during the thousands, right? So we don't even have access to that information anymore. So, like, you know, think about, like, world history, who is centralized in world history? It's European history that's centralized as world history. Mm. Right? When we think of ancient civilizations, we think of Greco-Romans. We don't think about all of the dynasties in China that are like, like tens of thousands of years old. Let's start there, right? We don't think about um the dynasties in India. We don't think about dynasties in like West Africa, like Songhai and Mali. You know, so when we think about ancient civilizations, we don't really key into like there were people way before <laughs> European you know what I'm saying? Like, so like I, I want us to think about like how pervasive the alignment of rewriting history, narratives, stories, you know, having people think about history starting at the Crusades in many ways, right? We say, oh yeah, yeah, everybody started in Africa. We forget thousands of years of information and then we start on with like let's talk about Henry the eighth you know Mm. so like that's kind of how I want to shape like how we talk about whiteness
0: right I think that is so fantastic and I I just need to point out as someone for whom history is has always been a weak point like subject matter wise I'm a little my mind is blown when you were talking about different you know (laughs) 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 historical things I was like wow she knows a lot (laughs) We
1: can go into this (laughs) even. Like Like, there's uh, so much more.
0: uh, I better learn some stuff this year.
1: (laughs) Listen, I was obsessed, no lie, with my AP um, world history course in high school. And I would say to my teacher, I was like, "Um, we're only talking about European history here. And she was like, oh, (laughs) word. I was like, yeah. She was like, well, we got to cover what's on the AP exam. And I'm like this is European history, you know? So like, right. Like, so like, you know, if, if white people aren't realizing and asking these questions, they're making the tests, right? Like, yeah, you know, but as a person of color, I'm like, uh, Hey, (laughs) some other things happened. Right. Can we talk about Ethiopia for a little bit? Not just Egypt. Right. Like, can we talk about, you know, so like there's so much to talk about that's missed. And I just really want to say, you know, and encourage white people to, Go beyond their perspective, right? Like, another thing about whiteness I would like to add here for people to consider is um, the Great American Melting Pot, right? So, I don't know, a lot of people grew up on Schoolhouse Rock. It was my jam as a child, all right? But the only song I love this song, right? The Great American Melting Pot, right? It was amazing, but it talked about how people immigrated to this country. Right. Mm-hmm. And specifically white immigrants. Right. They didn't talk about Asian immigrants. Right. They didn't talk about Caribbean or Hispanic or African. They only talked about white immigrants in that song. Right. And then mm-hmm. everybody melts in. It's beautiful. Right. But none of my relatives immigrated to the United States. We came here in bondage against our will. Mm. And, so, and we were here before many of these people came to a nation that was already built. So, yeah. like, you know, when you think about that, you know, what is the narrative that we're telling people that if you essentially relinquish your European heritage to become American, you're in, you're great, mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. But if you're from another country, you can't really blend in, right, to this narrative. You can't really blend into um, being white. You just can't do it. And then if you're already here, you really can't blend in, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. just thinking about that. And again, I want to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with being white. The problem is, you know, not understanding how, you know, the power structures at play, whether it's the stories we tell ourselves, um, the songs that we put, the way we write songs, the way that we talk about ourselves as a country, you know, exclude lots of people, whether we do it purposefully or by accident.
0: Yes. I feel like one of the um, ways that people could think about this in just really simple like terms is just like being on the playground nobody and being excluded like it's mm. so simple and um, well let you know this actually I want to move to another question I had about uh, had for you I mentioned just before the break that we were going to talk about empathy because I feel like so much of this journey around understanding privilege understanding whiteness understanding other voices, like not other, but the sort of full spectrum of voices in this world and people is about empathy. Um, And so I would love to hear your thoughts about empathy and this this idea of like, in really simple terms, I I remember last year when everything was horrendous and crazy around Mm -hmm. (laughs) George Floyd and other things, you know, one of the things I kept trying to communicate to people is like Use your voice to own what's happening right now, mm-hmm. but be silent when you want to make it about you. Because I feel like a, a lot of the times when stuff happens, you know, people make it about them. They say, but I'm a really good person or, right. you know, the thing we said, I work hard. So let's talk about centering, because I think people have probably heard that term, but they might not like fully understand it.
1: Yeah. So when you center yourself, right? Right. That means exactly what Christine has said, right? Like you're putting, you're placing yourself in the middle of the circle, in the middle of the story, even if it's not even about you, right? Mm -hmm. So saying, you know, if someone brings up something that makes them uncomfortable with you in the workplace, and then you're like, well, I'm so offended that you would think that I would be an intolerant person. Instead of centering how you feel and your reactions to what that person says, You need to step back and say, why does this person feel this way? Can I engage this person in a dialogue about my actions that might have made them feel uncomfortable? Um, What are the experiences that this person has had with people that look like me that might have led them to believe that my um, statements or my actions would have been offensive? Right. Mm. So we really have to think about stepping outside of our skin um, and and really looking at like, you know, how how can I support other people by attempting to connect with them on a very deep and human level? This doesn't mean you have to like cry on someone's shoulder all the time and be super emotional about everything. But, you know, if you're a man and a woman says, hey, like you've been talking too much in this meeting, right? Like there's like three other women here with great ideas. Like it's time for Kathy to speak. You know, like mm. as a guy, you can't say like, well, how dare you bring, you know, I have stuff to say, like, let Kathy speak. <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, so, you know, thinking thinking about it in that way, thinking about like, um, you know, what what else, how else can I connect pe- with people? Like, how would this make me feel? Now this, you can center yourself when you think about someone else's emotions and say, how would this make me feel if someone did this to me? And uh-huh. I would say, don't do that in the moment, right? Uh-huh. But in retrospect, Think about, you know, if this were me, like, man, like I wouldn't want someone to judge me based on uh, the color of my skin or based on what what I see in the media about people that look like me. Right. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. want someone to be able to judge me based on them just meeting me. Right. Yeah, Right. So, like, you know, that's how we can center empathy and decentralize ourselves. You know, think about um one more thing I was going to say is thinking about just the ways in which we can um, advocate for others and be allies for others, not as saviors, but just as like, you know, checking in say, Hey, like, maybe I'm taking up too much uh, space here, which we'll talk about later. You know, can I step, can I step aside and allow, you know, and, and again, I'd hate to use the word allow, right. But making, making space for other people to participate in the building of the community that everyone is in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I think of it a lot with kids. I mean, my husband and I joke that if you're listening in on kids, having a conversation, like everybody is starting the sentence with I, like, Oh, I have something, blah, blah, blah. So I would encourage people just as, you know, me, I'm all about like little tactical moments of awareness, but you know, if you feel the urge to start a response to somebody with I, <laughs> you know, perhaps pause and think about it. And I also wanted to mention, um, you know, this is sort of a client plug, but also just a wonderful resource plug. But, you know, one of the people that are an organization that um, I do work with um, through Women Online, actually, is Making Care in Common. And it's a project out of Harvard. And um, they just they have tons of resources on empathy. I mean, this is what they are all about is like, you know, trying to help families like figure out how to be, you know, raise kids that that care and, and are, you know, operating outside of themselves. So I'll link them up in the notes because they do really good work.
1: Can I add one more thing? Yeah. And just that, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, empathy, ugh. you know, like it's not it doesn't have to be touchy feely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it does prevent you from, you know, when someone is expressing disappointment or disagreement, it prevents you from adding a "what whataboutism to it. Like, well, what mm. about this, right? Empathy also prevents you from feeling left out when communities of color are being, you know, celebrated. So I call it like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha syndrome, right? <laughs> oh girl, <laughs> you know Brady Bunch. Yeah, right. Yes, taking it back to the old school, <laughs> you know, but like real talk, like, you know, I've seen like online where like, you know, we celebrate like communities of color for, I mean, for being For people being outliers and first, and then people like, well, you know, well, what about this person? And it's like, can we just celebrate these folks for like Mm. overcoming all the obstacles Mm -hmm. that they overcame? Like, let's all relish in that. And then we can, you know, move on to this that we've been doing for hundreds of years. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, empathy allows the space in your heart, in your mind, in your world, in your consciousness, in your subconsciousness for other people.
0: All right, that is like the perfect quote graphic. I will have to (laughs) making another (laughs) mental note here.
1: Yes. Well,
0: so let's you know you you have been talking about space already, but Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit because you know there there's sort of two sides to space. You know, you got to make it, and then there's taking it, right? Right. So tell explain this explain this for people who might not have heard those phrases before.
1: Yeah. So when you make space, right? Well, let me just start all the way at the beginning. The assumption is that the dominant culture. The dominant group owns the space. Like, yeah. let's just throw this out there: the connecting it to privilege and also connecting it to white privilege. Which, if it makes you feel comfortable, we can say white normative experiences. Right. So, you know, if it's like we think of um, the Don Draper, where like you insert a woman into that Don Draper advertising space, that's uh-huh. a male-dominated space, uh-huh. right? And so now we're allowed. We're they are allowing women into that space, right? So they're making space. They're not, and in many ways, they're not really even making space. They're just doing it, right? Uh So, you know, I really want to drive this point home before I even start talking about this, that much of space, when we talk about space, it's space that is owned and dominated by whoever owns and dominates that space, which is most likely the dominant culture Uh or Uh group. So when we make space, you know, there is, a responsibility that, you know, if it is a white space, which most spaces are that you begin to think like, okay, we've been doing things this way for a very long time. How about we let some new voices, you know, have a a shot, Mm -hmm. right? Let's give somebody else a chance to speak. Let's, you know, let's collaborate and build. Um, this is not a savior type of a thing. This is more of a, like, what is missing here that is needed In order for us to progress and evolve as a group, as a society, as a neighborhood, as a school, as a government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That is the question. When you're making space, you're thinking, who else can I bring in so that we can evolve? Right. So that we don't continue to plateau when you're taking space. You know, that's a bravery within people who are not in the dominant culture of just stepping up and saying, you know what? I'm a human. I'm a person. I'm equal. I'm going to speak up and speak out and share my opinion. You can take it or leave it, but I'm here and I'm not going to apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think of women who go into tech spaces and I like to use, you know, gender a lot. Right. Because a lot of people can connect that to that easier. Sure. But, you know, I think of like, you know, women or non-binary folks that are in tech spaces that are not welcoming to women and non-binary folks. And they just say, you know what? No, I'm a coder just like you. So, bro, what's good, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or you, know, um, you know, people who uh, take space are often unprotected, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, it's really important that, you know, if you see yourself as an ally and someone is taking space, that you, I don't want to say, like, put a warm... You know, blanket around them, but like that, you stand in solidarity with that person, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to let them just, you know, if they, if a person of color steps up in the boardroom and is like, "Yo, I think we should do this," and you agree, stand stand yes. in solidarity with that yes. person. Don't let that person just take the hit, and then everybody not, you know, everybody crickets and like, you know, we'll tear apart their idea, right? So, like, it's really important that in this whole making space and taking space that we also have some sort of allyship and partnership Mm, happening during this process and that we're not seeing the making space as a, well, these are quotas and affirmative action, so we got to do it, right? Like, this is what should be happening in order for us to evolve as a species and as a community, right? Like, we need as many people's ideas as possible to get the best possible solutions to the problems that we're all facing.
0: Mm. Yeah. And what a great example, Uh, you know, because I think when people hear the word allyship, they get a little like, "Ah," you know, it just feels hard or like scary in some way. But that example is so simple, you know, just like if you if somebody puts up an idea like that you think is great, like, you know, jump on and give that give that a vote of support, you know, like it's so simple. I love the way you do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. Well, we have a couple more things that um, we're going to cover and we will do that after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at Ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as math, how smart is that?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Okay, friends, we are back. and. Wow, what a conversation we're having, Amber. I feel like I, I feel like uh, I need to make a lot of Instagram quote graphics. There's a lot happening here, and I'm here for it. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, I want to talk about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation uh, because, like, cringe. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> exp- but you know, people might not know what we're talking about. So, let can you can you help us unpack that?
1: Yes. Um, so cultural appropriation. Um, you know, actually, so obviously all of us have different cultures. Um, we bring a lot of awesomeness to the table, each and every one of us. Um, you know, cultural appropriation is it's let me keep it a hundred. It's literally taking <laughs> it's literally just taking from someone else without acknowledging mm. that that is their culture and the one thing i really want to drive home about culture before i give a couple examples is that culture often springs forth from adversity right so we Mm -hmm. think about like Mm -hmm. you know black spirituals those sprung forth from black people singing in cotton fields like Mm -hmm. let's just keep it 100 it sounds great right but all that pain and sadness Mm -hmm. is for a reason right which birthed the rest of black music right and pop music in america so you know Culture springs from innovation, right? Where communities had to come up with ways of um, solving problems, whether it's like the food or the clothes that they wear or the music that they play or the way that they talk, right? Culture is uh, an, an homage to all of those things, right? The innovation through pain and trying to just exist as human mm-hmm. in your society. So when we appropriate another culture, right? Like when we take from that, um, without acknowledging the journey that it took for us to get to that point or for individuals to get to that point, um, and we negate that, thats it's disrespectful, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, one thing I'll say, I grew up, you know, hip-hop in the 90s was my jam. <laughs> During that time, you know, hip-hop was like trying on a variety of different cultures. Now, in some ways, they were fusions, but in other ways, it was just taking, Right. So like, you know, there would be and I went to a relatively urban suburban high school. So it was like 40 percent black and 50 percent white and like 10 percent uh, East Asian. And so, you know, girls would like have like their hair done, but they'd have chopsticks in their hair. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, for me, like I'd never did that because I'm like, that just doesn't feel right. Like that's like you know, putting spoons in your hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in my mm-hmm. mind. Right. So and I'm using that example to like hopefully help people understand that anyone can appropriate another person's culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and we and we all do it. The thing about the United States is that because there's so many of us here that are from so many different places, it's easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's almost like just do it. Um, but it's problematic. Right. And so, you know, when you know better, you do better. Now, cultural um, one more. I'll give an ex- one more example um, that I love to share, but don't love to share. It's um, Jaliah Harmon. Right. So she is a dancer who um, made up this really awesome dance called the Renegade. Right. And so during the time when TikTok was like just starting off, you would have tons of TikTok teens like going viral, uh, making these uh-huh. dances. Right. Uh-huh. Those teens were white. Right. And so then they were getting millions and millions of followers and views and then eventually they were getting deals to work with, you know, as brand ambassadors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those white TikTokers were going on to, uh, you know, sites where these black kids were doing these dances and then just learning the dances, changing up just a little. And then now they're famous for the dance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about July's story that I really like is that the entirety of black Twitter came to her defense. It was like, what we not gonna do, <laughs> right? <laughs> And because of that, like a story from the New York Times was written about, you know, like this is the girl who actually made the dance, not the young lady who was white, who got famous, you know, yep. for making the dance. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, oh, you know, boy, how many
0: times have we seen that play out over girl. and over? You know, oh. it's sorry. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> no, sorry. Keep on you're
1: right, though. You're right. Like it's exhausting. <laughs> right. And so and I use that example because, you know, when we often think about cultural appropriation, We're thinking of like adults. We're Mm -hmm. thinking of like corporations, right? But even like our young people are doing this to each other, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to like kind of start with ourselves, the adult people, but then also talk to our kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if your kid is like really like into hip hop culture, cool. Give them a book about 1979 Sugar Hill Gang and make them read that. Mm -hmm. Why did hip hop culture spring from the projects and the ghetto, what were the original songs, and these songs today, what were they talking about? What was the pain that people during those time, uh, that time period were actually experiencing that moved them to make this music, right, to tell stories over records in this way, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for cultural appreciation, it's up to us to say, yo, I love that. That is, you know, I love the bright colors that this person's wearing, or I love the way this sounds, or I love how that looks great. Now educate yourself Mm -hmm. on the reason why these people chose those colors, the reason why they chose that music or that beat, the reason why they're saying it in this way or doing things in this way. Right. So the cultural appreciation component is taking that appropriation to like the next level and saying, this isn't mine. Right. I don't own this. This is I'm not taking. I like it. And I'm going to learn about it. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm going to connect with it authentically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And, you know, I, I feel like there are so many examples where this comes into play. And I know personally, you know, because I'm a word person, but even when I see people using a phrase and I and it's sort of funny and it's pop or whatever, I actually I'm the nerd who like Googles it because I'm like, I'm not going to use a phrase that even though I think it sounds funny, isn't appropriate for this moment without really knowing, like who is attributed you know, who should this be attributed to? Is this really the right way to use it? I don't know. I mean, I guess I I'm a little bit of a homework nerd with that, but I think it, it doesn't, I guess my point is it doesn't take that long to just dig a little deeper.
1: It really does. I mean, my kids like love Korean food. We love K barbecue. Like, I mean, who wouldn't, (laughs) I mean, it's the best thing in the whole world. I'm just, I'm not even going to lie to you. Our neighbor is Korean and she's like, yo, like, let me teach you. And I was like, please teach me how to make kimchi. Right, mm-hmm. you know, teach us how to do all these amazing things. Um, teach us how to make this food that we like so much, right? And so, if you want to, that's the other thing I'm gonna add on there, right? <laughs> but she wants to, so like, we've learned a ton about Korean cuisine because of my neighbor. Mm. And, and you know, it's not just about we're just gonna go to the restaurant and like eat and listen to K and then like leave, like. No, like we're going to read some books, like we're going to watch a few documentaries. Um, We're going to learn about comfort women. Right. Like, we're, you know, so like we're going to dig into like all of the different things that have led people to making the cuisines the way that they, they, they do. Mm-hmm. Why are they choosing these? Why is why is this cabbage chosen? Why is this spice chosen? Right. Like become inquisitive. About the things you like, that is cultural appreciation. When you just say, "Okay, well, we're just going to do some K barbecue tonight, and that's it," like that's kind of like a a very basic first step. And then, you know, if we were to be like, "But we're Korean," like that's cultural appropriation because we're not. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. So one of the many things I love about you is that you are so tactical, and you are like so into helping. I mean, let's be honest. Helping and educating can be exhausting, but Girl, you just yes. you just keep going. And I'm so impressed. So I would just love if you have, you know, maybe a couple favorite resources or actions, you know, that people
1: can take right now. OK, I have so many resources. It's re- going to be really hard for me to choose just a couple. Well, and also um, I should I will... say
0: if you want to send me some later, I can include yes. them in the show notes, whatever you want to do. But if you want to just highlight, you know, a couple faves right now, that's that's cool.
1: Okay, cool, cool. So I will uh, do a couple of my faves. I definitely think, but then everyone please check the show notes because I'm going to have lots there for you to (laughs) like go on your own like journey. Um, So the first thing, I would definitely recommend people to read Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. Mm. 1989, Peggy McIntosh, just a great perspective, you know, white person's view on privilege that I find to be extremely relatable for a lot of people. She breaks it down. Very simply. um, And she also lays out like 26 matter of fact points about white normative experiences, like even down to like Band-Aids, because if we think about it only up until about five seconds ago, Band-Aids were all like one color. So there's that. Right. So definitely check out that. Um, I would also say teaching tolerance is a really amazing resource. It's a free K-12 resource for educators, but parents can use this, too. And it's kind of designed to. It's not even kind of. It is designed to educate children and young people just about how the the how diverse our democratic uh, republic is, right? Or our constitutional democracy, depending Uh, on what you want to call uh it, right? uh So teaching tolerance, super dope, parents, you can access it like easily. So please go there and find some lessons. Um, And then also, I would say like um, the New York Times released this uh, Faces of Power which was really amazing. Um, It was a commentary on, you know, I think of all the almost a thousand people in power, um, they were mostly white and only about like a hundred or so of them identified, self-identified as black indigenous people or people of color, Mm. right? So, you know, when you think about it, like you're like only like a ninth or a 10th of the people in power are people of color, even as our nation is becoming more diverse, Mm -hmm. you know? So just thinking about, again, like, what what, is, what does that mean, right? When people are making those decisions, who are they making them for? Who's not contributing to those decision-making processes? Other things I would say just to throw out super fast is to, uh, the Seeing White podcast is pretty good. Um, they literally take people through like just tons of different experiences about being a white person um, in this country. Um, as, if you're trying to like, you know, figure out, well, where do I even start? Or, you know, where can I get epiphany? Check out that seeing white podcast. You know, obviously everyone's pushing nice white parents. I ha- I have not listened to it yet. Um I need to, but I have just not. You know, like so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it out there cuz everybody else is. <laughs> <laughs> um I would say as far as behaviors, you know, we need a shared language of terms, right? So when we think about like the ways that we describe um our relationship to race in this country, we we definitely need to work on how we talk about it and like in shared way. So definitely check out the racial equity tools glossary of terms, Mm -hmm. right? Because then we can, when we're talking the same language, then we can begin to solve these problems and understand how these structures impact each and every one of us read books, but also make sure you figure out a way to take that learning into the real world You want to engage in active learning and be okay with being wrong and trying again and being vulnerable and apologizing, right? Like we need to be okay with messing up, right? White people, you're going to get it wrong a lot, you know, people of color, black indigenous people of color, we're going to get it wrong a lot, right? So all of us need to take a spoonful of humility, um, but we do not need to decentralize the humanity of others as we make mistakes. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, and my goodness. Girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. And lastly, like everybody's welcome to join me and my kids at our kitchen table because we were be talking about this all the time on our podcast on the Let's K-12 Better podcast. Oh, so. yeah, totally. Totally. To I us. will link up. Yeah, I will
0: link you and all your things up um, in the notes as well. Um, oh, my gosh. What a great conversation. Now, I know you just threw out a ton of resources and options, but I'm going to put you on the spot for like one specific thing. Okay. Um at the end of each episode, Asha and I share what we call your next edit. It's something that listeners can consider doing straight away. It could be related to Korean food or not. It's up to you. Um, But I would love, love to know, you know, what your next edit is for this episode, like related to our conversation. What is one like small tactical thing that people could do moving forward?
1: Hug your kids. Mm. Okay. Like bear hug your babies. Okay. Like if you have a teenage, especially if you have a teenage son, pull him in for a hug. Let him know it's going to be OK. Hug your daughters and also hug your non-binary kids as well. Right. Um, we need to give more hugs to our children so that when they're released in the wild, they are looking for um, loving relationships and they know how to create those loving relationships and they can cultivate Strong, loving bonds with other people across differences easier if they were loved at home. Not enabled, but loved. So more hugs. Can we please hug? Please. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> wait to hug you when I next see you. Girl, Jeez. Listen, my arms will be open wide. Open. Like Come here, Christine.
0: And literally, there are lots of people I, I'm just I'll be like, yeah, no, well, let's stay apart.
1: <laughs> There's so many people that I'm like that, too. I'm like, um. The pandemic has definitely separated us for a reason. I know.
0: I know. Well, Amber, thank you so much. This has just been a
1: delight. Oh, the delight is all mine, Christine. I love what you do. I love just everything about you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, listeners. Good luck, everybody, for real.
0: Yeah, for real. All right, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, we love chatting with you on the internet. This week, we'd love to know, do you know a fantastic business run by a person of color? Let's do a little crowdsourcing and shopping and supporting with our dollars. Hop over to facebook.com slash edit your life show and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at edit your life show. And if you loved this episode or anything in our back catalog, we'd be so delighted if you would take a moment to review our show on Apple podcasts. Thanks for listening.